the Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans. A shining download online. All alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting. The year the Introcast War came upon us all. This is the story of the Babylon 5 Introcast. The year was 2014. The show down below. Hello everyone, welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Anne. I'm Heidi. But hopefully we'll get Elizabeth to join us before we finish. She's having some car troubles right now. But we are very, very pleased to be joined once again by a first-time visitor down below. But you have heard her voice before in voicemail. Say hello to Elaine. Hi, Elaine. Welcome. <laughs> Greetings, y'all. This isn't the second time we're doing this damn Skype. <laughs> <laughs> Not the whole podcast, just the intro. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little sick this week, so <clears throat> try to get through this. Today we are here to discuss episode two. Oh, I forgot to ask you, Elaine. How did you come to know <laughs> Babylon 5? Uh, basically, I just stumbled onto it when it was originally airing back on P10, that and uh, Kung Fu and uh, uh, yeah. Timex were basically the fun ones. And uh, it, my parents were divorced at the time, so I was traveling back and forth between houses, and it was one of the few shows that was actually on at the same time between the two different cable companies. Okay, did you start from the beginning, or did you catch it in the middle somewhere? Do you remember? Uh, right from the beginning, really. Oh, uh, cool. Have you watched it through many times? Or... A few times, yeah. It, it's it been a couple of years since I've done a full re- review, but I'm catching up <laughs> along with y'all, so it's been fun. Nice. Well, today we are here to discuss Episode 2 of Season 2, Revelations, but first... Here's an ISN special report. This is an ISN special report. Captain John Sheridan's sister visited Babylon 5 this week. Michael Garibaldi quite suddenly came out of his coma. Ambassador Jakar returned to Babylon 5 with disappointing news. And Ambassador Delenn has emerged from her cocoon, a changed woman. This has been your ISN Special Report. Revelations originally aired on November 9th, 1994. It was directed by Jim Johnston, who last directed Babylon Square, and it was written by JMS. So let's get to the recap. So first we start off seeing some new and improved CGI. (laughs) How'd you like the outside of the station shot? You know, the CGI is a better... Even though it's still computery, yeah, it's not as video game looking, I guess, as some of the season one stuff. Okay, I've got a bit of trivia about the um, opening uh, thing there because that CGI graphic is meant to be a uh, radiation station clearing up the wreckage of the uh, Membara cruiser. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. 
In the council chambers, we see Londo is upset about the missing council members, Jakar and Delin. Delin is indisposed right now. Natath doesn't know where Jakar is. The role of Natath is now being played by Mary Kay Adams. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, her voice is so different. What yeah. happened? The makeup was a little different in her voice. Mary Kay Adams, she's been on soap. She was on Star Trek and she was in the Muppets Take Manhattan. The original actress, Julie Caitlin Brown, Julie Caitlin Brown, she wanted to go pursue other avenues. She was used to be like the romantic lead in feature films and she came in at the last minute to help them out in season one and never really liked being behind the makeup. And during the hiatus, she got a chance to be in a Jack Nicholson movie playing the romantic lead. And she decided she wanted to go back and do that some more. So uh, it makes it nice when they have them in all this makeup because they can just switch actors and actresses. And yeah. you kind of notice, but it doesn't really matter. She, was, she wasn't she was even the first person to um, be cast as Natal. The first person never actually made it on screen because she hated the makeup so much. It would probably be very uncomfortable. Yeah. James, I said the reason he didn't just cast a new character because he wanted someone that had prior knowledge of what was going on. They weren't just going to throw more <laughs> out of the airlock. <laughs> no, you can't uh, do that with this one. They code off rest in peace. <laughs> he he did say on one of his uh, comments that he did c- briefly consider the Murphy Brown secretary casting choices, but then he, he laid down for a bit and uh, it passed. Yeah. <laughs> So Sheridan adjourns the meeting so they can come back tomorrow and try again. I thought it was funny in the background when they were leaving. You see Kosh walking out, kind of (laughs) waddling out. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, here for this scene, I have written, there really is no council because Kosh doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) It's just there. It's just Londo, that's it. Yeah, how many days has this been going on now where they turn up and the rest of the council's there, not there? And uh, Yeah, London's really getting annoyed by this. He can't boast about all the great things he's doing anymore. Well, he can't get anything done to boast about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Out in space somewhere, we see Jakar and his men under attack by some ships. Jakar's guys sacrifice themselves so Jakar can get away and warn the others, and there you see the opening credits. Okay, am I allowed to watch the credits now after this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know because I haven't listened to what you guys recorded last week, and so I was like, um, well, I'll cover for now. Yeah, the... Well, the first thing we didn't want spoiled was the appearance of Sheridan. Uh-huh. And also in the credits, they show what Delenn looks like out of okay. the cocoon. I figured, like, I was kind of guessing, especially at the end of last episode, when uh, her hand comes out of the cocoon or whatever. I thought it was probably that, so. Yeah, and um, yeah. the original broadcast credits had the old Delenn in it for the first two episodes, but I guess when they made the DVDs, they wanted to save themselves some hassle and just use the mm-hmm. same credits for every episode. Yeah, some of the uh, DVDs over here in the UK have the um, original opening credits. They did give the game away with our opening credits, at least on the copy of D- DVDs I've got. Cool. So we were kind of lucky. However, it's also spoiled in the menu screen. Yeah. Right. 
which is why we wanted you to cover those as well. Uh huh. Let me tell you, that's really interesting when you're trying to get to the right episode. But not looking at everything. Yeah. Next, Franklin finds Sheridan in the Earhart. Sheridan's waiting for his sister to arrive. He's coming to visit. Franklin's run out of options with Garibaldi. He hasn't been able to reach Garibaldi's next of kin. He wants to use the alien device from Quality of Mercy to heal Garibaldi. little continuity there. Didn't just forget about that. As Sheridan agrees to go along with this, and the doctor wants to hook himself up to the machine. So are you surprised that Sheridan agreed to go along with this so quickly? Not really. I don't really have too many expectations on his character uh, as far as that goes. So I was actually more surprised at Franklin wanting to do it in the first place. Yeah, as soon as he said he's going to hook himself up, he just kind of walked off. I don't know if he was trying not to give him a chance to object about it or what. Hmm. Uh, it's good they've actually brought in this thing from a throwaway episode and they haven't forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, a ship arrives on the station. Sheridan meets up with his sister Lizzie and they're going to go off and get something to eat. Now Elizabeth Sheridan, she's on a children, she was on a children's show called MathNet. I guess it was like an educational program. Yeah, part of Square One. I am. <laughs> she looks like very familiar, but I didn't see anything that jumped out at me. And even seeing more recent pictures of her made her seem more like somebody that I should know, but nothing jumped out. So maybe she just looks like somebody, because yeah. I thought she did, too. Mm, she's got that very particular 90s hairstyle that I've not seen in any other decade. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I've seen MathNet and just don't remember it. I don't know. Yeah. It be- it beats the uh, curly, permed mullet she had on MathNet, believe you me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm so excited for more family members from Earth. Yay. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we'll say We're soon w- going to have to have second cousins start appearing because there will be no one left. <laughs> Londo and Mr. Morton meet in the garden. Uh, Londo's worried that he's getting too much attention after the destruction of that Narn base. Morton says they'll provide more demonstration if Londo wants it. And Londo makes a joke about destroying the Narn homeworld. <laughs> Morton's like, no, slow down. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I was like, really, Londo? <laughs> really? You're yeah. going to say this to the guy that, like, grants wishes? <laughs> genie. Londo's genie. Um, yeah. Morden does tell Londo that he wants to know if Londo hears anything, hears about anything strange happening out on the rim, like foreshadowing there. <laughs> yeah, that's very specific. <laughs> yeah. Next we see Captain Sheridan eating with his sister, talking about his job the whole time, which is boring to her. And to us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then they start talking about Sheridan's wife. It's been two years since she's been gone. He's still having a difficult time with it. His sister thinks that his wife would be mad at him for not getting on with his life. And they table the subject until later so they can just talk and catch up with each other. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I have, like, uh, in my notes, let's see. Talk, talk, dead wife, talk, talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, most of the time when I see this episode, I just gloss over this, just take the information aboard, yeah, and ignore the scene. The second Pretty time much. I watched it, I was in a bit of a time crunch, and I actually fast-forwarded through their scenes. Yeah, you didn't miss. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, this time, though, I think uh, Sheraton's acting 
he's okay in this. It's the, it's not necessarily the other actress. It's just, it's just everything about the scene. It's his acting isn't playing up against anything. Not just with the other act, actor in the scene. You've got the music doesn't quite work either, and the it's just a boring scene. Yeah. Well, and and for me, it's like okay, we just met him an episode ago, and um, apparently uh, those of us newbies are in the minority and not liking this guy yet. Um, but anyway, uh, we don't know enough about him care about this situation at all. Yeah, uh, Bruce Boxleitner did a few interviews around that time and said he'd felt that the character backstory was a little rushed, but uh, given the five-year arc and you've got a brand new character thrown in, you got to get everybody up to speed, and sometimes you manage it, and sometimes it comes out clunky. So next in Delin's quarters, we see Lanier cleaning up the ooze on the cocoon. Yeah, he's rather creepy in this scene. <laughs> Soon now, soon. Very soon. With a nice creepy smile as well. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as if he wants to learn to stay in that cocoon. <laughs> like, I'm in charge now. <laughs> uh, over in Med Bay, we see Dr. Frank Franklin getting the machine ready. Sheridan stops by, says he wants to be plugged in. They kind of go back and forth for a little while, and they agree to split the difference. They'll go, go in shifts. And for this scene, I have um, the captain, commander, or whatever of this ship, they all have Sinclair Syndrome. <laughs> they must throw themselves into danger. Yeah. I'm not sure. I kind of think he went in knowing they'd end up on this trade scenario, but he went in overplaying his hand so that at least they could, you know, he could get um, Stephen to share the load. Otherwise, Stephen had just kill himself yeah because i mean it's just the two of them there i mean seriously if you're going to use experimental stuff have somebody as a backup just to make sure the thing doesn't blow up in your face or suck all your life out or what have you yeah definitely well they were trying to save money don't you know they they just set up a white curtain in some corner of b5 and did this doing it on the slide <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but still, you, you can get a background extra pretty cheap so long as they don't say anything. <laughs> Next, Natath goes to Jakar's quarters and she finds out that he's back. It would have been, fu been funny if Jakar said something like, wait, who are you? Are you Natath? <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound like yourself. You have a cold. Something changed about you. You have a cold or something? <laughs> yeah. So Jakar says some ominous stuff about looking into the darkness and... Uh, and he knew that either a new race or an old race must have been what destroyed the base in Quadrant 37. And talks about how Jaquan spoke of a great, great war long ago against a great enemy. And before the enemy was struck down, it lived in a system at the rim of known space. And that's where he went looking. He found something moving on dark, deserted worlds, gathering its forces quietly. And he thinks the darkness has come again after a thousand years and they need to warn the others. At the beginning of this, I thought that Jakar had been uh, had been around Kosh way too long. But <laughs> he actually started giving information. I was like, oh! Yeah, yeah what do you make of that information? The, the spiders are very old. Because <laughs> I'm still calling them space spiders. <laughs> well, you get another bit of information as well, that at some point, non... You know... 
weren't the agrarian people they were when the Centauri settled there. Somehow they knew about things happening in the wider universe. Unless, of course, they just got dragged into it. You never know. Well, even then, even if they got dragged into it, they knew about the wider universe. But by the time the Centauri invaded, they didn't. Something happened in that period. Uh, just I never actually picked up on that, you know, before. Next, we get a shot of the chrysalis. It's starting to move. Break out the fog machine. <laughs> <laughs> and next in Med Bay, Garibaldi wakes up and Franklin calls for the captain. And I guess Garibaldi's aide hears this. So back in Med Bay, we see Ivanova and the captain talking to Garibaldi. And so where Garibaldi finds out there's a new commander and immediately doesn't seem to trust him because he doesn't know him. He can't remember what happened to him and we see Garibaldi's A goes off satisfied at this. And I'm, I really hope that this guy's really gone because he looks too much like Morden to me and I get them confused. <laughs> well, what was he expecting to do anyway? Get off a lucky shot that killed Garibaldi? You're implicating yourself there anyway. Right. Yeah. He's standing right there. <laughs> Probably would have been free-for-all gun battle before he runs down the hallway out to the escape pods and daring chase scene, yada yada. Or at least yeah. that's what he had planned. Go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> and then the Vorlons destroy the ship before he gets away. <laughs> um, exactly. Next we see Jakar and Londo walking through the corridor. Jakar says they might have to work together to face the coming threat. This is where Jakar finds out something's happened to Delin. Next, we see Lanier return to Delin's quarters, and the cocoon is open. And when she calls for him and asks for help, her hand is black and scaly looking. She's Lanier. a rock monster. The rock monster. <laughs> she is the lizard queen. <laughs> <laughs> Lanier calls for Dr. Franklin. He gets there, and Lanier wants everything to be confidential. The lens says she's not ill, and the doctor goes to examine her. Next, we're in Sheridan's quarters. He's talking to his sister about his job again, and they talk about his wife again. He blames himself for her being on an exploration vessel that exploded because he had to cancel their anniversary plans and she took the survey job right after that. And I stopped taking notes about the scene at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I stopped watching. I do have one note. I mean, who calls their ship Icarus? You might as well call it Titanic. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they did have the Marie Celeste earlier, so. Yeah. My my only note about this scene it reappearing drink is because you got this one scene you got a close-up on Sheridan he takes his he finishes off his drink gets up to pour himself another cut to wide shot takes a few steps finishes off his drink gets to the bar and pours another <laughs> <laughs> that makes this scene so much better I'm not going to watch that. it again <laughs> so next we're back in Delin's quarter she's peeling uh, we, doc, the doctor examines her. We see her face, which is the same as her hand. And Delin wonders what she is. What am I? Yeah, this, this was so interesting because for one thing, Dr. Franklin even says it. Like, why did you call me? Why didn't you call one of your people? And, uh, I think Lanier says something about that you would know best or something. So, yeah. Maybe this is not like speculation or 
or whatever, maybe it's just completely obvious. But um, called him because he would know like human physiology, right? Even though she looks like a rock monster. <laughs> and plus, uh, back in the first season, he did do a scan on her when she was in a completely healthy Mimbari. So he has yeah, that right. base knowledge of what she used to be okay. to compare with. Yeah, yeah, he's got that comparative xenobiology background, doesn't he? So next, in the council chambers, Jakar is trying to convince them that one of the ancient races from his holy books has returned. They're skepti- skeptical because they have no proof. But Jakar has convinced his government to send a ship to their domain at the rim of known space, a planet called Zahadun. And Lando gets to look on his face when they mention the rim. And next, Lando goes to warn Mr. Morden about the Narn ship. Morden recognizes the name Zahadun. He says he knows it only in passing. Someone asked JMS whether it was a deliberate Tolkien reference to Khazad-dûm uh, from Lord of the Rings. He actually said it, was, it wasn't a reference, but it might have been a subconscious reference, I think, because the names are too similar. He loves Tolkien, but he's actually said it wasn't a deliberate reference. Mm-hmm. If you're wondering, it's just one of those other things that we can draw a link to um, Tolkien again. Yeah, when I heard it, I was sort of going, okay, like, that sounds really familiar, but I couldn't figure out why. In Med Bay, (laughs) Talia arrives with Lou Welch, and yes, he has been in previous episodes. Um, She agrees to go into Garibaldi's mind to help him try to remember, but she warns him that anything she finds won't be admissible in court. While she's in Garibaldi's head, she sees his aide reflected in the mirror. And this was Will's favorite scene. I know. I was so looking forward to seeing her back. <laughs> hair and yeah, and her mustard-colored top. Uh, it just looked really awful. <laughs> she also didn't bother me in much in this episode. <laughs> well, she's only in two scenes. Yeah. So they go to arrest the A. They trick him into coming out of the office he's in. Lou Welch roughs him up a little bit. A little bit of not-so-stellar acting right there. Uh, Sheridan puts a stop to it and orders him locked up under maximum security. A locked up. Yeah, you noticed during the commentary, didn't you, that this was a bit convoluted? Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, yeah. you're right. All they needed to do is go in there with... You know, and rest him. They didn't need to do this whole thing of look, lens out of a cocoon, and she's got wings. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. not. I don't know. It was like, why couldn't they just walk in? Why did they, uh, you know, sneaking around? And I don't know. There's too much. Well, I think the thing was the guy was in the security office, so he's got control of the security systems. Uh, you don't know what all weaponry he has in there. Better to get him out in the open w- where he doesn't have anything other than his regular sidearm and just grab him. So next, Captain Sheridan gets a call from President Clark on Gold Channel. And he's not shifty at all. No, not, not at all. all. <laughs> Clark orders the prisoner sent on the first prisoner shuttle to earth he doesn't want this case to be mishandled he wants all the evidence that they have to be sent with the prisoner after the call in sheridan doesn't look too happy about what just happened yeah, it's kind of, did i just get shafted <laughs> yeah 
Next, we see the Narn ship coming out of hyperspace at Zahadub, and there's a spider vessel waiting for them. It destroys the Narn ship. Yeah, is this the first time we see hyperspace? Is this the first time we see hyperspace? Been in hyperspace? I don't know. Because don't... I'm not sure whether we've seen hyperspace before. Um, I know I've seen it in the series, but up until this point in the series... I, I can't remember. Yeah. Because it's got a very distinctive look. You've got these this red background, of, and it looks very different to normal space. Uh, I just wanted to point it out, you know, okay. that, yeah. I, if we have seen it, I haven't taken note of it, so. Yeah, so, yeah, when you see a ship going through this red background, that's probably hyperspace. Okay. Back in the council chambers, Natath informs Jakar that their ship was destroyed and it's being called an accident, and they can't afford to send another ship right now. Jakar realizes it couldn't have been an accident, and someone must have known that the ship was coming. He says that he thinks about it, and he says that they're too late. I like how here Jakar kind of kept his mouth shut and didn't start throwing out accusations there. Kind of knew to stay quiet for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I, Jakar has gotten quite wise in his traveling. Yeah. I think Jam, Jess said that the intent was that he looked at Sheridan and Londo not knowing who was responsible, but the editing made it seem like he focused on Londo more than they would have liked. Yeah, although he really should have also looked at uh, Kosh, because Kosh is just there in the background saying nothing, just listening to everything. As always. <laughs> <laughs> So Lanier comes in and announces that Delid wants to know if she can reclaim her seat on the council. She comes in wearing a hood. She takes off the hood and she has hair. Bill is slightly spoiled because you can see a coil of a lock of hair, um, uh, you know, on her right before she puts yeah. back her hood. Slightly spoiled the reveal that did. She talks about Sinclair going, how Sinclair went to their home world and in return she's undergoing a change so she can be a bridge between worlds. Yeah, way to, way to retcon that. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's with the uh, approval of her government. Uh, uh, yeah, they're fighting. Uh, yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? That's diplomacy for you. <laughs> yeah, they approved it after the fact. Mm. Since they couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> So in Sheridan's quarters, he's talking to his sister about the thing with Delyn. His sister's brought something for him, a data crystal. And on the data crystal, there's a message from Anne to her sister Lizzie. And it turns out she was going to take that expedition anyway, so it wasn't Captain Sheridan's fault that she went away. Yeah, this didn't feel like a conversation. It felt like a monologue. Yeah. Here, I'm going to talk at you, sister-in-law, give you all the information you need. So Anna Sheridan is played by Beth Toussaint. She was a regular on Dallas for a while, but she also played Tasha Yar's sister in a horrible episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And she's married to Jack Coleman in real life. Oh, that was cool. Jack Coleman from Heroes. HRG. Yeah. There is only one season of Heroes, remember? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I kind of like season two. I saw them all. Yeah. I won't say if I liked them all, but I saw them all. <laughs> So back in Med Bay, Garibaldi's back in bed talking to Talia and Susan. He gets rid of Talia, thank you, so he can talk to Susan and Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 
He says he trusts Talia as much as any telepath, but she's still Psychor. And I don't know if the two actors were married at this time or not, Garibaldi and Talia. I can't remember. Um, he tells him about the salute that his aide, Jack, this is where we first hear his name, Jack, gave him. The same one Bester did. I'll, he said, be seeing you. Reference to the prisoner. And they talk about the scandal when the Psychor endorsed then Vice President Clark, so he thinks... Psychor might be behind Santiago's assassination. A year and earlier during the interrogation, Jack said Home Guard had nothing to do with it. He actually called them misfit. Yeah. So, yeah. That whole thing with Home Guard in season one, misdirect. A complete <laughs> misdirect. So I accidentally skipped the part about the interrogation. I have notes on it, but, whoops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was that. <laughs> Actually, I have a note from that scene because he was talking about what it's like to be put out the airlock, and yeah. I put, "Oh, poor Kodoff." It reminded me of. No, Kodoff did it up of that way. Remember, she can survive space, Kodoff. That's right. She's out there, out there hanging out. <laughs> Can't wait till she comes back. Yeah, Jack did say there's a new order coming back home. Blah blah blah. Oh, but the space sea reminded me of um, something from BSG, but I won't say what, but <laughs> you've seen it, you probably know what I'm talking about. So next, Sheridan's sister is leaving, finally. <laughs> uh, they say their goodbyes, and Ivanova calls Sheridan to C&C. Over in the garden, Jakar is telling the talk that things are changing, and he reads to her from a book, which I think is The Second Coming by W.B. Yates. Okay. I was going to ask, because I had no idea. Yeah, it's The Second Coming. It's uh, it's up here on the uh, Lurker's Guide. Uh, Jakar says he thinks that humans are wiser than he thought. Um, so while he's reading this, we see Delin in her quarters getting used to her new look. Then we go back into C&C. Ivanova tells Sheridan that the prisoner was transferred and now it's just gone. And the president isn't taking any of their calls. Of that course. End of the episode. Shady. <laughs> Very much so. I have a few notes from the Lurker's Guide. Um, yeah, we talked about how Delin was supposed to undergo a change. Originally she was supposed to change from male to female. But the whole thing with her male voice didn't work out, so they ended up changing it. Yeah, if they managed to make that work, that would have been a huge change. Yeah. Um, JMS did mention so, uh, what, what some things that would have happened if they hadn't had all the cast changes after the gathering. Like you said, a lot of this stuff would have been similar to what happened to Talia. Uh, the original doctor, Dr. Kyle, would have stayed around, but he would have been kind of an advisor, paternal figure for Sinclair. He also would have been more scientist than doctor. And by the end of the season, we would have found out that Takashima would have been in on the assassination attempt in the gathering of Kosh. And like we said before, she would have been the one who betrayed Garibaldi and shot him in the back. I would have loved that, rather than the guy with no name that, yeah. like, we had seen, but... Warden's brother. Exactly, yeah, Warden's twin. brother. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 the viewing audience, would have known that, but uh, the, uh, the series station wouldn't have learned that until even later. Yeah. <laughs> mm. it's, uh, and you've also 
<laughs> on the Lucky Side, yeah, got a bit about um, what might have happened with the whole Membari reveal if um, Sinclair had stayed on. It, it would have happened around the same time. It's rather than um, happening in episode one, it might have happened in episode three instead. Just they would have reordered the events a little bit, basically. But yeah. we basically got more or less what would have happened if he had stayed aboard. And he also said Carolyn Sykes would have gotten into trouble with Earthcore. Mm, kind of Carolyn Sykes. Yeah. Let's see. How about we do quotes of the week, which I forgot to do. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to go for a very early one. You've got Lando. Indisposed. She's in the cocoon. And then you've just got Lanier's deadpan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As if it's an everyday occurrence. Um, I have Garibaldi when he wakes up. What's up, Doc? <laughs> You know, that was a quote on Briscoe last week, too. <laughs> I just love it because we know that Garibaldi watches, like, Duck Dodgers and stuff. Yeah. And so. yeah. Any other quotes? Uh, yeah, I've got uh, an exchange between Jakar and Del Londo. Malari, um, the grievances between my people and yours will never be resolved except with Sinsari blood. Except that is a given. Well, it's good to know we're appreciated. <laughs> yeah. I have a bit, I think it may be in that same conversation. There's a first part to the sentence, but I just have this part because I liked it. Jakar, except possibly the Vorlons, I don't know what could threaten them, really. I just like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, not too many quotes this week, really. No, all the talking was done by the sister that was visiting. Well, oh, yeah, I do have a sister quote. Johnny! She's <laughs> <laughs> so reckless. It's, just, it, it, it's not Johnny, it's Johnny! Well, she was Lizzie, so there you go. Mm. Uh, let's do our characters of the week, then. Who is human of the week? I had a hard time with human of the week. I'm going to say Garibaldi, because he came out of his coma. Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of hard this week. <laughs> Came out of coma, got up, and got he wasn't up. involved with any dodgy scenes. <laughs> yeah, face the guy who shot him. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Garibaldi. How about Alien of the Week? I said Jakar, but you know, he was I very ominous. Jakar. I could go with Jakar. Yeah. Yeah, because he was out into doing everything basically, even if nobody believes him. Right. Not even his own government. He Next time, take cameras. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought that Jakar would turn into, like, the the good guy that's actually onto things and doing stuff? And, yeah. Uh, Garibaldi and Jakar. So let's do our episode ratings. Want to start us off, Elaine? <sighs> okay. I, th- I thought it was a pretty good episode, all in all. I mean, other than the background stories and lagging a bit too long. So I'm going to give it uh, eight and a half poetry recitations. All right. What do you think, Heidi? Um, I thought this one was pretty good. Uh, the, the whole backstory thing was annoying, but it was called Revelations, and we did actually find stuff out, so yeah. it gets points for that. Um, I'm going to go with seven and a half full heads of hair. Ian, <laughs> it was your rating. 
Okay, well, most of this episode is quite good. You've gotten, yeah, as we said, as title said, we've got some nice revelations here. It's good to have Jakar back. The problem of this episode comes when you've got the Lizzie and Johnny scenes. They're okay to get the information across, but they really drag the episode down. It, it it's it's one of those things where I like having the information, but you could have made these scenes so much better and far more engaging. Um, so it drags it down to a seven for me. So. Seven out of ten poetry readings. All right. Well, I agree with you guys. The Lizzie storyline dragged it down, and it's really bored by it. But I like the episode overall, especially uh, the stuff with Jakar and finally getting to see Delin come out of her cocoon, finally uh, getting Garibaldi out of his coma. So I give it... Seven and a half out of ten rock faces. Yeah. Mm. A feedback. Let us take our battle cruisers over to feedback land. First, we got some new reviews on iTunes, you guys. Yay! <laughs> Let's see. They're all five stars as well, aren't they? Yeah, five star reviews. I love them. First, D.L. Lewis Martin says, Cool show. Tons of knowledge and perspective for a pretty underrated show. I know it has its loyal fan base, but B5 should have gotten more attention, and this pod does it justice. Good hosts, good topics, and great breakdown of the episodes. Skype causes some inconsistency in audio, but it's not so glaring as to be distracting. Great show. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we've had some problems with Skype tonight, but I think we've covered them up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oakley182 says... I'm a newbie to this show, so this is a great way to get an intro to Babylon 5 and enjoy it along with these guys. Yeah, glad you're yeah, enjoying it. Likely. Yeah, Michael HFTGU says, can't get enough of Down Below. Finally a place to indulge in my fascination and love for Babylon 5. And Taylor White at IREL Podcast says, huh, who knew I would like this? <laughs> <laughs> says wow completely different listen for me but i'm liking this show a lot great job <laughs> thank you well, yeah that's just, i would just have to know what you listen else you're listening to if this is so different that's a great reaction like huh i'm surprised i like this <laughs> I never know what to write, like, in the subject line. And that's just, it's, it's great. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, next we have a comment on our website from Board99. Who wants to read that? I can. Okay, Board starts out with, Down below drinking game. Take a drink when someone says Sheridan when they mean Sinclair, or vice versa. <laughs> I've but done pretty good from- today. <laughs> But whose alcohol tolerance is that high? (laughs) Regarding the rather recappy bits of points of departure, this is another thing which reveals that the 90s were a strange, far-off land inhabited by people who did not think the way we do. It was just the bland collars and goatees. It was just the banded collars and goatees. 
Say you started watching a show in its second season. No DVD boxes or iTunes season passes to enable you to binge watch season one. VHS tapes were VHS tapes were pricey and could only hold a fraction of a season each. Only for the real obsessives. There existed just about the first website which you could use to catch up, but most people weren't online. And in any case, there hadn't been time for any of that to filter back onto how TV was made. On the other hand, syndication was vital to the economics of American TV production. The people making a show could set their sights on a future in which their series would be made in indefinite rotation, there to be discovered by new viewers over and over again who might tune in for the first time at any point in the series run. Thanks, Ford, and, yeah, thanks for the uh, 90s uh, revelations. (laughs) Yeah. (coughs) It's Uh, good to get back in that mindset occasionally. Our next piece of feedback is an email from Lori and Carl. Want to take that, Heidi? Yep. Feedback for revelations from Carl and myself. This was a very packed episode with multiple storylines. I counted at least four, as well as all the ambassadors, Mr. Borden, important visitors from Sheridan's past, and a new and improved Delenn. Carl felt it was a bit overpacked and still included a bit too much exposition, especially by the sister. (laughs) Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) To briefly comment on each, Mr. Morden is back and wants a small favor. We are thinking... Being a spy for Morden cannot work out well for Londo, and Carl wonders what he is thinking, telling Mr. Morden these things. I am also wondering how he comes and goes so quickly from the station. He must be well-funded, as the transports must be expensive. Regarding Sheridan's sister, the actress seemed a little forced and took me out of the story a bit, though it was interesting to get some past history and learn that Sheridan had a wife who died. I am sure our ambassadors were excited to see that Jakara was back after looking into the darkness. Also, what in the world was he sitting on in his quarters? What is it, a giant rock? And if so, how did he get it on board? Hmm. (laughs) It was also very surprising to see him seek help from Londo. It can only mean he is very scared for them all. It is very disappointing that Londo betrays him. Do the ambassadors think Jakar suspects Londo? I think we covered that earlier. They kind of supposed to be, he's not sure who to trust. I'm a bit embarrassed to say I did not really notice the change of actress for Natoth, though I did think she seemed off. I am sure Will and Ian explained her per, explained per the JMS notes. It is also very nice to have Garibaldi back, and I liked that Franklin used the alien device rather than it just mysteriously disappearing, never to be seen again. As might happen on other shows, cough, X-Files, cough. (laughs) Did the newbies think (laughs) it was heroic for Sheridan to volunteer to help, or was he being irresponsibly risky after seeing his sister? Great line by Garibaldi for a quote when he wakes up. There were some very scary revelations about the assassination at the end. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Regarding Delenn, I think Elizabeth was very close to calling it last week, but we will have to wait and see what she really is now other than a bridge between worlds. I was a little bummed there were no wings. (laughs) (laughs) Ratings. Carl, 7 out of 10, too many plot points in one episode. Human overzealous security guard. Alien. Kosh. (laughs) (laughs) And Lori, 7.5 out of 10, changing actresses for Jakar's aid. 
Human Garibaldi, alien Jakar, for the great reading of parts of the poem from The Second Coming by W.B. Yeats at the end. And she includes that, and I will read that now. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere. The ceremony of innocence is round, and what rough beast its hour comes round at last slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Laurie and Carl. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Carl, is your alien of the week always going to be Kosh, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) It should be. Our next email is from Lisa. Hey, ambassadors, commanders, and guests. My name is Lisa, and it is nice to meet you all. I would be a semi-newbie. By that, I mean I have seen all of season one and part of season two. A few moments I do not remember a lot about season two. There are two moments that I remember very well, but I will not say what they are until you get to them. I've not caught up with all the episodes that you have podcasted yet, but I am almost there. I'm on Grail. Oh, Heidi and Elizabeth, I love your podcast episodes, even if I still have not brought myself to listen to the Believer one. Seeing as how I watched the episodes to go along with it, I'll email you again, and I have caught up with you, and I'll be able to give predictions, which is awesome, since this will be the first time that I can do so. I'm sorry if this email is a bit long, Lisa. And Lisa sent another email. Hey, commanders and ambassadors, this is Lisa again. I wish I could come up with a nickname, but I'm not good at that kind of thing. Anyway, on to more important things. Now I'm going to tell you my feelings about Sheridan after watching the first few episodes. But then I rewatched Revelations for the first time, and my feelings suddenly changed, and I was very shocked. Now I still love Sinclair way more than him, but I do like him a lot more than I did before. Now on to Revelations. As I watched it more, moments came back to me, and I have to say that I think that I saw the first two discs of season two... There are only five moments that stick very close in my head. And yes, I have added three since my last email. Two of them take place in the same episode, and one of them happened in this one. And that is the scene where Sheridan found out that his wife was going to be on the expedition, even if he had not canceled on her. I love that Franklin mentioned the machine that changed Life Force again. Sorry, I cannot recall the name of the episode or the, or the machine. That was the quality of mercy. I felt so bad for Jakar and the fact that no one believed him even though I knew he was telling the truth. And I wanted to hit Londo for being an idiot. <laughs> as I said, as I said to him, because I like to talk to characters of a show I really like. I love that they kept what Delenn looked like and it was so worth it. Of course it was not, if it was not, I would not have liked it so much. Susan was awesome as always and I never thought that Garibaldi would die. But I love how worried everyone was in both episodes. I will wait on predictions until episode 9 or 10 to make sure of no spoilers. Human of the episode, Sheridan. Alien of the episode, Jakar. Rating, 8 out of 10, Morden's creepy smiles. Quote of the episode, Lando. And the other one takes the most breathtakingly inconvenient moment possible to explore new... Careers? Oh, career options, like becoming a butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) And before I forget, I would like to apologize for writing two emails so close together. It will not happen again. No, that's okay. (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. Yeah, it's it's just good to get some feedback. Yeah. Our next email is from Victor. I can take that one then. So, Victor. 
The takeaway lesson from this episode is that if you have a secret and want to keep it a secret, then whatever you do, don't jail, tell Jakar. This helps explain why Narn was conquered by the Centauri. The Narns are stupid. They give sensitive military information to a blabbermouth. I mean, Ambassador Jakar, who then announced it to everyone, including Londo. But on the bright side, Garibaldi and Delenn return to the living, and they apprehend Jack, the treacherous security officer. We also get to see President Class, and this guy has slimeball politician written all over him. It seems there may be a corrupt conspiracy at work all the way up to the president. Although this episode really moved the storytelling along, my favourite parts were the ship and planet names. Sheridan's sister was lost out on the rim on the survey vessel Icarus. Probably the worst name for a ship ever, right up there with Mary Celeste. You would have had to drag me kicking and screaming on board of a ship named Icarus. Oh well, maybe she couldn't obtain a posting on either of her first two choices, research vessel Hindenburg or the starship Titanic. <laughs> on the other hand, we have the best name ever for a planet, the distant world Zahadoom. Let the name roll off your tongue slowly. Zahadoom. It sounds exotic and vaguely out Arabic, mysterious and even dangerous. Overall, this is a very good episode, which could have been a great episode if it hadn't been interrupted over and over by all the tedious scenes involving Sheridan's sister. I know they wanted to show Sheridan's backstory, but this is the one time I wish Lanier had given us the explanation. A 30-second conversation with him instead of all of those scenes of Sheridan getting up to touch all of those scenes of Sheridan getting in touch with his feelings. Despite all of the wasted time, the episode still gets 8.5 Zahadooms out of 10. Thank you, cheers, Victor. Uh, yeah, cheers, Victor. Our next email is from Yan, and I just saw that we have two more that came in, but how do you want to take Yan's? Yes. Hello, fellow lurkers and down below. Here is some feedback for Season 2, Episode 2, Revelations. So, my dear ambassadors, you got some answers. And more questions! Where was Jakar? Looking for something at the rim and finding it. More spidery ships. What did he say? None of the other races could have done it. It's either a new race or a very old one. So what do you think, ambassadors? New or old? Apparently, Jakar thinks it is very old. I'm going to kind of defer to him on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's my idea. Uh, we do see a new side of Jakar, don't we? Londo is deep into trouble with Mr. Morton, is he not? I don't trust him either. What was Londo asking? Why don't you eliminate the entire Narn homeworld while you're at it? I found Morton's one thing at a time very chilling. Jakar tries to warn the others, but no one listens. Are you surprised? He even sends a ship to the place he calls Zahadoom, and they die. Oops, Londo talks too much. Dylan emerges from the chrysalis and has become a butterfly, or half-human, half-mimbari, as she states, becoming a bridge. Will that work, do you think? I just love the stare she gets when she enters the council chamber, and I love the way the butterfly joke was used in this episode. 
Sheridan's sister visits, and we learn that his wife disappeared or died on a ship called Icarus. Do you think it was a good idea to call a ship Icarus, given the Greek myth? Okay, Sheridan. Sheridan did get some relief at the end. Garibaldi asks the help of Talia to find out who shot him and is very disappointed. Well, angry. Was it me, or did the new president sound like something suspicious was going on? Yes, all the evidence disappeared. Very suspicious. Now for the favorites. Human, Garibaldi, alien, Jakar. Quote, Jakar. Weep for the future, Natal. Weep for us all. Episode rating, 8 out of 10 warnings from Jakar. And with this, watch out for the coming of shadows. Yan, the Babylon Lurker. Thanks, Yan. Thank you, Yan. Good to hear from you. Our next uh, email that I just got is from Anka. I'll read that one. Hi, down below team. This second episode of season two was a lot of heavy revelations. For most people, and I guess for me also, the revelation about Delin's chain stick to mind easily. I was not shocked. I had seen episodes from seasons three to five before, but I liked how they did it. I wonder if she lied when she said she did it with the approval of her government. Well, at least not the whole truth, but who cares? We all love Delin's new look, don't we? Also, Londo and Jakar are back, and with them, some creepy revelations. What is happening at the Rim, and what is this world called Zahadun? Jakar is in a very bad situation. He is certainly right, but nobody seems to believe him, and Londo having his own plans destroys his whole undertaking. I clinch during the scene with Jakar and Londo when Jakar says their, their people need to stand together. Certainly not Londo's plan. Because Morden and his creepy smile are back, you can see a glimpse of understanding in Londo that this man is dangerous, but it goes away pretty quickly. What does Londo really gain from this partnership? The story arc around Mr. Garibaldi seems like a little side story to those big revelations, but the ending of the episode is not. There's definitely something wrong on Earth, and this uncharismatic person of a president is involved in it. I like how Sheridan turned away from the screen when speaking because he felt uncomfortable. And by the way, does anyone know why Garibaldi was leaning with his head on the console of his hospital bed when speaking to Ivanova and Franklin at the end? It must have been super uncomfortable. I mean, was this meant as a headrest? I like Sheridan's sister and her 90th haircut. She brings a bit more, a bit more backstory to Sheridan. Compared to any background story about Sinclair, I found it interesting and by both actors very well delivered. There's not much more to it for now, it just makes him human and maybe to create some kind of groundwork for him to have a fresh start on Babylon 5. All in all, this episode lays some serious groundwork for the whole show, more than any other episode so far, I find, and that's why, for me, it's a solid 7 out of 10 creepy smiles. My favorite human, I give that one to Garibaldi. I liked his scenes. My favorite alien, Jakar. Keep the great work up. Can't wait for more revelations from the Down Below team. Cheers, Anka. Hi, thanks, Anka. Uh, we've got one from Michael, yes? Yeah, last one's from Michael. Okay, here we go then. Hi all, glad we're back to the regular schedule. I've missed my weekly B5 fix. This episode feels kind of like the start of the B5 I remember, with Sheridan on board, Delenn with her, and most of the other characters present and involved. I like it. It was good that we got a bit of needed background on Sheridan this week helps flesh out his character and gives a different side of him than the chirpy, smiling exterior that he usually presents. I'm not sure about his sister and wife's 80s-90s hairstyles, though. 
Garibald is awake and he's not happy. He goes to sleep for a few minutes and the whole galaxy goes to hell. His friend has disappeared and his second in command betrayed him. I think they could have taken a little longer to find out who shot him, but I really liked how the obviously concerned president personally called to have all the evidence shipped back to him. Perhaps he's hiding something. Winky face. Great to see all the ambassadors back. Lando falls deeper in with the creepy Mr. Morden, whilst Takar seems to have realised bigger things are afoot and is trying to work the greater good of all, but is foiled. I was entirely... I was eagerly awaiting Delenn's transformation, but had forgotten that she started as a scary crane when she first emerged. She did it to help prevent a future war with the humans, but I can't see many of our own race being happy. They didn't get told the whole shell-sharing secret, so probably think she's a little bit weird. Overall, a solid episode with good new information and all the gang back together. Eight out of ten new hairdos. Alien of the Week, Jakar. Great to see him out getting involved in the action, and I really like his changing demeanour and attitudes. Human of the Week, Garibaldi. He's back on his feet and he's not happy. Loved his reactions to the various changes. Quote, Londo, why don't you eliminate the entire Narn homeworld whilst you're at it? Mr. Morden, one thing at a time, Ambassador, one thing at a time. Think, keep up the great work, Michael, UK podcast fan. Thank, Thank you, Thanks, Michael. Michael. Thanks for all the feedback, everybody. Remember, if you want to send feedback, send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com or you can... Leave a comment on our website or leave a comment on Facebook. And that reminds me that Bob left a comment on our Facebook page, if I can find it. Uh, Bob said, this is a ridiculously busy weekend and I won't have time to send real feedback. But my hope that Delin would emerge looking like Danielle Rousseau was pretty close. And Garibaldi's A, not only saying beasting you, but using the prisoner hand gesture while doing it absolutely made my day. Right, thank you, Bob. So now let's do some predictions. Heidi, you're on the hot seat by yourself. <laughs> the name of the next episode is The Geometry of Shadows. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is like the purple one. Um, Geometry of Shadows. Well, I kind of think where we're... Uh, where we're three episodes in now, we've started the season... Um, I kind of think that this is maybe, especially the shadow part, might be more of a standalone kind of thing. Like, things will probably be going on in the background with, like, I don't know, Jakar and the other ambassadors. But I think maybe the central story might be kind of an episodic thing. So, let's say that the shadows... I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's say that there is... Um, Evil monster shadows in the shape of squares and triangles and circles. Honestly, I have no idea what this means. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to say any more about that specific episode, but I have many uh, predictions and thoughts. And having not heard what Elizabeth said in the last episode, um, I want to start by just voicing my annoyance in part at um at Sinclair being 
gone because we know that at some point in the future he's the one and that that all happened did you hear the explanation i guess you didn't listen to the episode but yeah there's there's an explanation for why he's gone but we covered it in the episode okay yeah i know i need to listen to it but um can you hear me eating right now (laughs) i heard noise but i couldn't tell you were eating Um, so yeah, I, I will go and listen to that, but it's just like having not heard it, it's very confusing to know that this supposed future should happen and that he won't actually be there for it. So, um, as far as Dulen goes, again, this may be something that I'm supposed to think and completely obvious, but my theory, I guess, is that she has kind of been almost reincarnated and is now the part human because the Membari are turning into humans when they're when they die and their souls are then in humans. So um I think that that's what's going on there. Um the vice president was obviously in on the whole thing and is now president and is very shady and evil. And oh there are so many little things. Um let's see. Morden is gonna cause a Big, big problem. Uh, I don't know what he is, though. Because, like, I can see, like, the old spidery things being these old creatures or whatever that everyone thought didn't exist anymore or something. But he, like, looks human, and yet he's just, he's like a genie or something. Um, but not really. That's not really what I think. But, uh, but yeah, like, he interests me a lot because we have seen him talking to the like little spidery thing so that's that's just all very out there and confusing but um yeah i don't know did i like leave any areas out that you guys would like to know if i have a prediction on well, i think you covered yeah. most bases okay yeah it's very difficult when you don't have other people to bounce your ideas on. it is without Elizabeth here to kind of go back and forth and she probably felt the same way last time, so. Alright. <clears throat> so, Elaine, is there anywhere we can find you on the web? <laughs> Not at the moment. All I've got is a Twitter that's about two years out of date, so uh, don't even bother. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for coming. It was fun having you on. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it was fun to be here. Yeah, you should definitely come back. We don't usually have this many Skype problems. No. <laughs> and I'll just bring the sledgehammer, the frying pan, uh, crossbow. We'll figure something out with Skype. Maybe we can bribe <laughs> it into cooperating. Well, that's all we have for today, folks. We'll be back in one week's time with the Geometry of Shadows. Until then, take care and goodbye. Be seeing you. Bye. Somebody say stroke off. Stroke off. (laughs) (laughs) Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. 